everybody. Oh, come on now. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you. I hope you came ready to praise the Lord. Let's all stand if you would. And uh, we're going to sing this morning, uh, Build Your Kingdom Here. We're going to start with that today. All right, here we go. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. For we are your church.
he's the king of your heart this morning, amen. And if he's not, make sure you take care of that this morning, amen. He's the king of my heart. Let's sing that together. Miss Julie's going to sing it. Fountain I drink from, oh, it is my song. 
let's say this. God is good, and all the time. One more time. God is good, and all the time. Amen. If you would put a smile on your face, and uh, we're so glad you're here. Turn around, tell somebody how glad you are to see them. Tell them how good they look this morning. Greet one another, and we're going to continue to worship in just a moment. find your place and be seated oh that's good fellowship all right brother martin's going to give us our announcements so if you would be seated all right good morning so uh a few weeks ago i came up here and i told y'all that my daughter katie grace had signed us up for a fun run and at my age fun and run don't go together so I started training like Rocky in all those movies, even played the music. And so last weekend was uh, her dad's weekend at UT. I got to spend some time with my girls. And I'll be happy to tell you that we came in second place. Now, just to be uh, transparent, we didn't enter the heat with all the marathon runners. We entered the second heat, but we also weren't the walkers. So we were, you know, in that middle deal. So, and at the end of the day, God proved me wrong because it was a fun run because I got to do it with my daughter. So thank you for being here, being here this morning. Uh, if you're a first time visitor, would you mind signifying it by raising your hand? Um, I know that's probably the worst. I know when I was a first time visitor, I was like, oh, I don't want to raise my hand. But if you will fill out the card that they are giving you, we're going to give you a free movie ticket. So it's worth it, okay? I didn't get a free movie ticket. So um, we have Wednesday morning Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Again, I work out of this office here, and they are always having a great time in there. Also, Wednesday night, we have services um, for youth, for adults, and for little kids. Uh, and we even feed you at 6 p.m., so please be here. And uh, youth, you'll have a great time with me, I promise you. We also have Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Uh, big thanks to everyone who helped make the revival a big success. We had eight professions of faith in Christ for the week. So the food was amazing, the fellowship was great, and the preaching was awesome. So next Sunday, we have a very special day. It's a Mother's Day next Sunday. And all mothers will receive a free gift, so we're trying to bribe you. Show up, bring your mother, you don't have to buy her anything. <laughs> also, on June the 19th, we're going to have a church-wide picnic and baptisms that Sunday. We're going to do like we did last year where we dunked them in the lake. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> where we dunked them in the lake. And guys, there's nothing more amazing than being able to baptize somebody in the water at the lake. That, I got to do that, and it was amazing. So 
uh, and we will feed you. So it'll be right after church service, right after church service. Also, we have a life recovery class that is meeting here at 2 p.m. Uh, so if you've been coming, we are resuming that. Uh, so the last thing that I have is we have a uh, very special guest for you, but I'm going to give you a little spill because that's what I do. I talk. So those of you, a lot of you are from Chapel Hill. And right now we have some voting going on. Two of those things are for a school bond. And so Mr. Dean and I, Lamont Dean, the superintendent of Chapel Hill ISD, is going to come up here and talk to you in just a minute. If you have any questions specific to your whatever it is you have going on in your situation, he will be here after service. But I've been working with this man for about five years now. I am the vice president of Chapel Hill School Board. And I remember very early on, it was very duly noted that we are an amen school. And so I've seen prayer that is student-led go up more since we've been working together. A lot of you have gotten to watch Fields of Faith where our kids go and speak. Kayla, Katie, lots of kids have gone and spoken. Allie. And so those things are, are amazing to watch and see and know that it started here and it goes into the school system. So for a lot of you that don't know, the school and the church house have become where kids get their influence and where a lot of, a lot of the raising is being done. And so when we first, I guess, started working together, and, and this, is, this is something that kind of, our motto is this, shaping the future one child at a time. Now, I can still think back to five years ago when we were in the meeting trying to figure out what is our focus going to be. And I don't mind telling you, I'm the one that came up with the moniker, shaping the future one child at a time. Now, at the time, I remember thinking to the book, book of Luke and, and knowing that Jesus was telling a parable that a shepherd who has 99 sheep or 100 sheep and has 99 and one is out there, he is willing to leave the 99 to go for the one. And so our, our moniker or our theme, Shape in the Future, One Child at a Time, means exactly that. We have a district full of kids that are the one. I've been the one at Chapel Hill ISD, but I'm lucky that somebody loved me enough to leave the 99 to come for the one. And so I ask you, because I know a lot of us in here can vote, to get out and vote and give these kids every advantage that they possibly can get so that they can have a better future or at least have that opportunity to break that cycle that they may be in that is not their fault. You guys see it every Wednesday night. You see Miss Cheryl go pick up kids, bring them in, and we are the ones that are loving the one trying to shape the future. So I ask you to get out and vote. Miss Julie, Brother Mark, y'all live in district. Better go vote. <laughs> I, don't mind, I don't mind asking for your vote because I know the difference it can make in one kid's life. Saturday, I went to UT graduation, and I watched Kayla Diane Hubbard graduate as a, as a nurse and she was a bus kid that started here. She's a kid that many of you gave money to send her to church camp. She is going into the kingdom of heaven because you loved her enough for, to give me money to take her to church camp. And that's where she gave her life to Christ. She is the one. She is the one that is breaking 
that cycle and just graduated Saturday, but, but it was because all of you were willing to go out for that one and play the role. Amen? Amen. So I'm asking you to do it again. Is the schoolhouse perfect? By no means, but neither is the church house. But we need to give these kids a chance. Amen? Amen. So without further ado, I will now uh, let Mr. Dean, Mr. Dean, come on up here, and he will give you a quick presentation. Again, if you have any questions afterwards, he will be glad to answer them. Thank you, Mr. Barr. Well, I always hate going after Mr. Barr. It is, uh, I feel uh, definitely less uh, than a presenter than him, but I will not take up a lot of your time, but I thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to come up and speak before you. Uh, again, as Mr. Barr spoke, my name is Lamont Dean. I'm the superintendent of Chapel Hill ISD, but before that, I was the principal of Chapel Hill ISD, and I see some familiar faces uh, in the audience. But before that, I was a kindergarten through 12th grade student in Chapel Hill ISD as well. So I'm a product of our wonderful, outstanding community. Uh, today, I'm before you to provide you information. My goal is only to provide you facts. And I'll do it briefly, but want to give you an opportunity after if you want to dig a little bit deeper to find information that's pertinent to you. Uh, we have come together as a community in the fall semester uh, to start to work to evaluate our facilities. Uh, we wanted to ensure that we provide a high-quality education for our children and understanding that a vehicle that was built in 1960 doesn't function the same way as a vehicle does in 2022. Amen? With that being said, we wanted to give our staff and our community, our students, the best possible opportunity we possibly can. So that community, that committee came together and made a recommendation to our school board uh, back in February. The school board determined that as we most can, I'll explain it this way, this is the way I explain it to my wife, uh, we don't have enough money in my savings account to build a brand new home. So I, I gotta go get a loan, okay? In my home, my loan is paid for by my wife and my, uh, my wife and our salary. In school business, buildings, if we acquire new buildings, are paid for by the community, which is the response of a bond. And so our community felt like the top priorities for us was to do these things. Number one, it was to build a brand new junior high, okay? Uh, the second thing that they felt was most important was to build a new operations facility. The third thing that they thought was most important was to ensure that our career and technology education, uh, this is where our students learn the bulk of their trade, uh, needs to be enhanced. As I identified, that's that 1960 car as opposed to the 2022 model to build a new CTE facility. The third thing that they felt was most important was to provide safety and security uh, for all of our children, which is to enhance that at KISM Intermediate. Uh, if any of you had children that went to KISM Intermediate, you know that the entrance of uh, the building is on the side of the building, and it's a little bit of small perspective that nobody sees who come up to our school until they're already in the building. Uh, the third thing and the fourth thing is really to, excuse me, the fifth and the sixth thing is to really identify uh, growth needs at both Jackson Elementary and Wise Elementary is to build six new classrooms connecting them to the main building. Currently right now, our elementary kids, our pre-K Head Start children, the youngest one we have right now, actually leave the main building to go to their class. Uh, on a daily basis because the structure of our building is disconnected from our main focus. Uh, last but not least, the recommendation uh, for the committee is to build a new multi-purpose facility for our fine arts and our athletic programs can utilize, especially in the event of inclement weather. All of those 
uh, projects go on two propositions. Proposition one, or A, is for instructional, uh, excuse me, academic improvements. Those are the new junior high, the addition to the uh, operations facility. I mentioned a new CTE connection, new CT, uh, CTE facility, as well as the intermediate changes that we recommend to make, as well as Jackson and, and Wise Elementary getting six new classrooms. Those are all on one proposition that you'll have an opportunity to vote for if you have not already. The total cost of those propositions collectively is $113 million. In addition to that, Proposition B, which is the is for non-instructional. It's not where we actually have classrooms, but it's the facility that will serve the needs of the children that are in fine arts, as well as in athletics. Uh, that is a $12 million project, okay? Collectively, adding those both together. Proposition A, instructional. Proposition B, or non-instructional. Collectively, those two are $125,240,000. Okay, so what would that do to taxes to individuals in our community? Of course, to pay for that loan that the community would get an opportunity to vote on, um, it will cost a taxpayer an increase of 34 34.82 cents. That's the best way to read it. Uh, now, some of us have seen, uh, have had your evaluations come in, and I think it's good to address that. I'm gonna speak to that in just a moment. Our current INS tax rate, which is the rate of taxes that pays for any loans that the community will approve, those loans, that INS tax rate cannot exceed 50 cents, okay? Ours is at 11, Chapel Hill ISD is at 11. That is the lowest INS tax rate of any school district in the surrounding areas. The max tax rate is 50 cents, so we can never go above 50 cents we're at 11 and we're asked to raise 34 cents. However, most of our valuations have gone up. We got numbers from Smith County, and you are the very first to hear this, uh, that in Chapel Hill ISD, the valuation rose by 17.4%. So as your values go up, what do you think goes to the amount of money we need or the amount of taxes that you need? It goes down. So as we identify the 34.82 is the most that we will need based on the valuations, uh, we now know that we need less. We wanna communicate that to our community in the upcoming days. We have an opportunity to early vote. Everyone has an opportunity to do so. So based on the 34.82 cents, I use this as simple math. If a homeowner home was valued at $100,000, then it would cost that homeowner $192.42 for the year or $16.04 per month to pay for those things that the district feels like needs to be improved. Okay. That number is actually lower, but we are working with our financial advisor to ensure we can communicate clearly what that number is because the values went up. Does that make sense? Okay, with that being said, early voting goes through Tuesday. Be Monday and Tuesday, early voting is the last opportunity on Tuesday, and then actually election day is on May 7th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the uh, Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, with that being said, Pastor, again, thank you for your time. I'll be here enjoying this outstanding service, and at the end, if you have any questions for me, I'll be more than happy to answer those. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Now, you may say, no, 
Brother Mark, why are we getting political in the church? We ain't getting political. I just want you to know, I want Brother Dean to know, and Brother Dean is a believer. He's our brother in Christ. And he knows, he's smart enough to know that the churches are the fabric of this community. Amen. And we want uh, Brother Dean to know that we are supporting him. We love him. We love our school system. We love our community. And we love everything about Chapel Hill. Amen. And we are for our kids. We're not against our kids. Amen. I don't care which way you vote, but it's your responsibility to get out and vote. And uh, we wanted him to be able to be here and share that with you. Uh, we've got Children's Church, so if uh, you can go that way, the rest of you, let's stand. We've got a couple more songs here, all right? We're going to sing about the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Let's sing it together. Here we go. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth.
Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. It's the only hope that any of us in this room have. Because, Lord, it's only by your blood, only by your precious blood that was spilled on the cross that we receive your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you use broken vessels. And I'm one of those broken vessels. Everybody in this room is one of those broken vessels. We give you praise and honor and glory. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with us now as we continue to worship through the preaching of your word. God, I don't have anything good to say, but God, your word and your Holy Spirit has plenty to say to us this morning. Speak into our hearts and lives, Lord. Use me as your vessel this morning. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, I want to share with you this morning, and I will uh, try to be as brief as possible, but uh, I knew Brother Dean was coming this morning, and he was going to be talking about the school, and I thought, you know, uh, this is a good morning to just talk about uh, Christian parenting, because here's the thing, your school is there to help you to raise your kids, but guess what? The school is not there to take your place as mom and dad, amen? We all have a great responsibility. Our church takes its responsibility very seriously, amen? Like Brother Martin was talking about on Wednesday nights, we send out a bus and we bring kids in, and many of those kids, this is the, this is the only church they get during the week, and we've seen many kids come to Christ. Uh, many kids in the past, like you said, uh, Kayla Hubbard there, and uh, many kids that we're hoping in the future. And we take that very seriously, being a part of our community. We have a responsibility being a part of this community to reach those young people, to reach everybody in this community. But really, everything, quite honestly, starts at home. Uh, you know, as Brother Martin made mention that many kids, they come from a home where they're not getting that Christian influence at home. And so uh, the church tries to to uh, take up some of the slack in that. I know the school tries to take up some of the slack in that. But I, I wanted to talk to you about our responsibility. And you may have already tuned me out because you say, well, I ain't got no kids. And I, well, listen, I hope that you get kids. If you don't have kids, uh, may the Lord bless you with a bunch of rugrats and demons. Amen. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes they're angels and sometimes they're demons. Amen, Brother Dean. Amen. Uh, but I wanted to encourage you today. Uh, and this, this applies to you, whether it's your kids, maybe, uh, you, maybe you have nieces and nephews, maybe you're a grandparent at this point in your life. This applies everywhere because I'm here to tell you, I am so glad that my kids got to have their grandparents and their grandparents had a huge influence on them. And grandparents, uh, your work is not over. Uh, you know, you think sometimes, uh, well, I'm here to have fun with the kids and then send them back home. But listen, you have a spiritual influence on your grandchildren. And so this applies all the way across the board, all right? Uh, a parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. It's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to raise those kids and to teach them what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a godly young man and a godly young woman, amen? Now, many of us in this room, we're older, but I'm here to tell you, it's never too late. I was talking to Brother Greg here, and Brother Greg, he didn't get saved until he was 59 years old. And I tell you what, praise God for that, amen? You're never too old, it's never too late. God is always there. He's waiting on us patiently. 
and he is waiting with his arms open wide. It doesn't matter. Uh, hopefully you get saved younger in life. That just means you got more of your life to give to the Lord. Uh, if you wait longer, then you have less of your life to give to the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord saves you at 59 or 5 or 10 or 15, whatever the case may be, the Lord saves you the same way. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you and I. So what is our responsibility? I wanted to go to uh, the first scripture uh, that we're going to use is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Now this is the commandment, and, these, uh, and this is right after Moses comes down off the mount with the Ten Commandments. And so he is making reference to he's just gotten the Ten Commandments. These are going to be the Ten Commandments that, uh, that they're going to base uh, their, their lives on. And he says this. He says, now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Then verse 2 says this, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statute and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Another version says that you may teach this to your children and their children's children and their children's children. In other words, this is what we are to pass down from generation to generation to generation. Now, I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, what has happened in our country, in the United States of America, in my opinion, is that with every generation, we've slipped away from God a little farther and a little farther. We, we're not always doing a great job of passing that down from generation to generation. And what I need uh, all of us to understand is it's not necessarily that generation's fault. It's actually the generation before them's fault that they didn't pass down enough. They didn't make it enough of a priority. And I believe a lot of the problem is, is that... Christ and the church and the importance of it in our lives has become less and less and less. The church has had less and less influence as each generation. People have made it less of a priority. I was saying this in Sunday school because I, I believe this. I believe if you, one simple question, if you ask people, what is regular church attendance? If, you, if I called you a regular church attender, what would that be? I can guarantee you, everybody in this room 50 and above, it would be, well, every Sunday. That's, you know, and if you miss a Sunday, that's, that's more the exception than the rule. Every Sunday, because that, that's the Sabbath day, you're supposed to be in church. Then if we went down a notch and we went to the 30 to 50 crowd, they'd say, well, you know, our lives are busy. We got kids. There's so much going on. So, you know, probably, man, if I can make it every other Sunday, I'm doing pretty, pretty good. And then we get down to the uh, 30 and below crowd. Most of them are going to tell you, Oh, man, my life's crazy. You know, if I can make it once a month, I'm doing good. And that just kind of goes to prove to you, again, just our perception of what we consider to be normal church attendance slips from each generation to each generation, all right? Um, so I'm going to give you some principles here. Uh, number one thing, if you are raising kids in your home as a parent or a grandparent or as an uncle or an aunt, uh, here's the way that you can be a great influence on your kids. Number one, love your God. Don't just know about your God. Don't just know the right things to say. Don't just know the Sunday school answers, but love your God. All right? Number one, love your God. The scripture on that is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Oh, you having technical difficulties? There it is. All right. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your strength. All right? 
kids who become active Christ followers as adults. Now, here's, here's some interesting statistics. They did a study over a couple of decades, and here's what they found. Here are the statistics. Uh, kids who grow up and become active Christ followers as adults. And when I say active Christ followers, I mean involved in church, and uh, it's an it's a integral part of their life. Here's the interesting thing. If mom and dad both went to church, 72% of the kids um, uh, will go as adults, 72%. So if mom and dad, if, if you grew up in a home where mom and dad both put an important on church, brought you up in church, took you to church, then it's 72% likely that, that you would grow up and you would do that also in your household. Now, let's watch what the difference is. If only mom goes to church, I want you to notice the difference in just between if it's mom that took the kids to church or if it's dad that took the kids to church. If only mom goes to church, only 15% of the kids will go. Because, And that's not to downplay moms, but guess what? A lot of the kids are going to take... And you hear me say this all the time. What you teach your kids is a lot more caught than taught. They're watching what you do. We can talk all day, can't we? Talk is cheap, though, isn't it? We can talk all day. We can tell our kids, do, it, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't go very far with kids. Kids are smart enough to look past that. They're, they're smart enough to see through that and say, I'm going to watch what you do. Your actions speak louder than your words. All right? So your kids are watching. So if mom takes them to church but dad stays at home, guess what? The kids see that. And they say, well, if dad don't have to go, why do I have to go when I grow up? I'm going to be like dad when I become an adult. I'm going to stay home. And so only 15%. Notice the difference if only dad goes to church. So let's say mom is the unbeliever and dad is the one who takes the kids to church. It jumps from 15% to 55% because dad is the leader of the home, right? He is the spiritual leader of the home. The kids are king. Dad, I don't mean to put too much responsibility on you, but guess what? God did, so I'm going to, all right? Uh, listen, you are the spiritual leader of your home, and it is a huge thing when your kids see you that you make it a priority, and you say, hey, then as, far, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. When the dad does that, it makes a huge difference. Jumps from 15% to 55%, all right? That's huge. Then here's the really sad statistic. If neither mom or dad went to church, even if the kid somehow finds a church that will come and get them and, and bring them on a bus, and listen, I love bus ministry. I've told you before, my, my testimony is I, I got started going to church because of bus ministry. Somebody came by my house. We had we did not attend church. It was not a priority in my house. And somebody said, Somebody came by and said, free Kool-Aid, free hot dogs. I said, I'm in. <laughs> Just show me where. And I got on the bus, and that's how I started going to church. And then my mom, uh, along the way, got convicted. And she said, you know, we don't need to be sending our kids to church. Uh, we need to take our kids to church. And so that's how our family started going to church. And then I ended up getting saved. My dad ended up getting saved. And my mom rededicated her life to Christ. Amen. So it's huge what we do. Here's the thing. If neither mom or dad go to church and it is not shown as a, an important thing in that house, only 6% of those kids will, will come to church, will become a part of the church. And it's much, a much lower statistic. Here's my question. Do you love God with all of your heart or with some of your heart? Now, again, uh, if you only go to church once a month, or maybe you're one of them Christmas and Easter people, 
although you're here today and it's past Easter, so I'm going to say this is the good crowd here, amen. But if you're one of those that's only Christmas or Easter, uh, you know, you gotta, you got to really examine yourself. Are you loving the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and body, or just some of it? Well, when it's convenient. Guess what? If your attitude is, well, I'll go to church when it's convenient, you ain't going to go very often. Because the devil will always make sure something else comes along that you will deem is more important. And listen, we live in a day and time, people used to do a lot more things. The church was more of the fabric of the community. It was much more of the social hub than it is today. Why is that? Because the devil has made sure today we have a lot more distractions, don't we? We have the internet. We have uh, everything on our phone, iPads. There's, you know, a thousand channels on TV. Uh, there, you got so many other things to do. Here's the thing, too. I've seen a lot of families sacrifice their children going to church because they wanted them to be heavily involved in sports. They, they do these select ball teams, and they do these things where they're traveling every weekend. And I don't care what you say. Again, talk is cheap. But what you're telling your kids when you do that is that sports is more important than God. That's what your actions are saying. And so you need to understand, what not is your mouth saying, what is your life saying? And it's extremely important. When you raise your kids, uh, you have got to make, you've got to put some kind of limit on that. With our kids, when our kids were growing up, we told them, you pick a sport, you can do that sport, but we're not going to do these year-round sports. We're not going to do, even when they got up into school and all the sports was through school, we, we told them, pick, pick a sport or two. But we're not going to do this where we're just year-round and we're traveling all, every weekend and we're going all these places. Why? Because, listen, the devil, it's hard enough to get people in church, but you put every distraction known to man in front of people and they don't need much of an excuse. And we will use those excuses. So bring, most of us, quite honestly, we need to simplify our lives, don't we? You don't need more stuff in your life. Would you agree? I don't need more stuff in our life, in my life. We need God. We need more of God in our lives, and we need to spend time. You know, we, had, we just got done with the revival, and Brother Herman was saying, you remember when we used to do revival all week long, Sunday to Sunday? And now we're doing good. Now people aren't even doing Sunday through Wednesday. And sometimes people even do a one-day thing. You're doing good to get people to show up for one day. You know, you can't, you can't get them to, to come out. There's just too many other things in life, all right? So love your God. Number two, lead your family. Can I tell you this? Somebody is leading your family. Now, I will submit to you that a lot, in a lot of families, the parents are not leading the family. The kids are leading the family. It's all about them kids. Them kids are spoiled rotten. Hello, I'm talking to some of you, amen. Your kids are spoiled rotten, and you're doing, it's the kids making all the decisions and leading the family. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. It says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, what are these verses saying? They're saying you need to talk about God in the van ride to the school. 
When you take your kids to school in the morning, when you go and pick your kids up and take them home from school, talk about God. Make it a natural part of your conversation. Talk about what God's doing in their life. Talk about, uh, have those conversations with your kids. You know, when you, you don't pick when it's time to talk to your kids. Can I tell you, and I, I know this from experience raising my own three. Whenever I wanted to try to have a conversation with them, they were not interested. They would clam up. And I would say, God, would you just open up where me and my kids can have a conversation? And most of the time, when they wanted to talk, when they wanted to have a conversation, was when I didn't want to, when it was too busy. I'm too busy, or I can't do that right now. But listen, you have to say, Lord, make me to stop. When it's time, when my kids want to talk and my kids want to talk about things, make me to stop and have that conversation with them. Your intimacy with your kids is very important, and that time's going to pass very, very quickly. Those of you who've raised kids, did it go a lot quicker than you thought it was going to go? Sure it did. And so you have a very limited space in time. And when those kids want to talk and they want to have that intimacy and those intimate conversations, I talked this morning about, you know, when you remember, you ever had that time when your kids are small and they just want to crawl up in your lap and lay your head down on your shoulder? And they're just so, that's when they're angels, amen. And, man, that's a wonderful time. And you know what? You... You better not be too busy. You better not have something else going on. That's the time. Turn that TV off and enjoy that. Take that time. Cherish those moments. Amen. Because they will go by very, very quickly. And when those opportunities come to have those serious conversations with your kids, shut everything else off and take the time and cherish that time and have those conversations with your kids. Lead your family. Who is leading your family, the parents or the kids? You have to lead intentionally. You have to be intentional in your leading, all right? Proverbs 22, 6 uh, says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen? You may waste a lot of time doing other things in your house, but training up your kids in the way that they should go, in the ways of the Lord, you are never wasting your opportunity or wasting your time there, all right? All right. Don't be too busy for God. Don't be too busy for church. Again, your kids are watching you, and the priority that you make church in your life and the priority that you make God in your life is exactly where they're going to follow. Your kids get everything from you. Here's a hard fact of the matter. You ever look at your kids, and you see all the things that they do that you don't like, and then one day you realize, oh, dear Lord, they got that from me. Amen? And I always tell everybody, I always say, it came from somewhere. So if you don't like it, it came from somewhere, mama or daddy. If you like it, now that came from mama and daddy too. But guess what? You'll see a whole lot more of the things you don't like than the things you do like. And you'll look and you'll see and you'll go, man, uh, that is, uh, that's me made over. That's all my worst qualities right there. Amen. <laughs> and you'll usually have one. How many of you have one kid that, that's like a clone? They're a clone of you. Amen. And that's the one you just seem to butt heads with the most. Why? Because they're just like you. And it aggravates you to no end, amen? Because you see all of your worst qualities coming through your kids. Well, I want to give you three things. Uh, and these are the unchanging principles of parenting. And why are they unchanging? Because the Bible says, says this, that the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's principles do not change. Culture changes and everything around us changes but God's principles, they do not change. So these are the same, the same principles that, were, that uh, apply for uh, 2,000 years ago. They still apply today. 
Number one is this, loving touch. Um, let's go to uh, uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And all three of these are going to come from this verse. And you probably read this before, but I want you to focus in a little bit more. It says, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. That he might touch them. Okay? But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. So from these verses, I'm going to give you three things, all right? Write these down or take a picture, all right? Number one, loving touch. Now, I'm going to talk mainly to the males in the room because as men, we're big, tough, strapping men. My daddy grew up in a generation, my daddy did not say I love you, especially not to other boys. And he raised me to be a man, Amen. And in that generation, the way you raise them up to be a man, you don't tell them you love them. You don't, we don't hug. We don't, you know, you got to be able to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You toughen up. Toughen up. Got to be a man. You're going to have to lead, so be a man. Listen, I'm not saying some of that quality is good, but guess what? We, we've taken it too far. Listen, men, your sons and your daughters, your wife, your family around you, need to hear you say, I love you. Whether you think you need it or not, you, as a big, strapping, strong man, need to hear the words, I love you. We all need to hear it. We may say we don't need to hear it, but we all need to hear it. And can I tell you this? Your kids, more than anybody, need to hear you say it. I was telling them the story in Sunday school. You know, my dad, he grew up, him and his dad didn't say I love you. They didn't hug. You know, we'd go. They lived down around the Austin area. We'd go. We'd spend a couple of weeks. Knew it probably wouldn't be. It'd be six months to a year before we see him again. What did my, my dad and his dad do? It's good to see you, Dad. Handshake and go. And listen, uh, I got saved, and I got taught that there was a different way, and so as I became older, I began to tell my dad, Dad, I love you. And he'd say, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, mm. Or, and then he, then he got to the point where he'd say, mm, me too. And then he finally progressed to the point as he got older, not a lot of great things about getting older, but we start to get a little wisdom and we start to learn a few things. And then my dad finally graduated saying, I love you. And I would always hug my dad. And at first I initiated the hug. My dad would just stand there and I'd hug him. And then my dad began to loosen up. And then it got to the point where towards the end of my dad's life, he began to say to me, he initiated, he said, son, I love you. And then he began to hug me as he got older because he realized, you know, not everything we were taught back in the day, a lot of good stuff, but some of it, we took it too far. And I needed to hear that. At the end of the day, aren't we all still looking for daddy's approval? Many of us get a messed up view of God and a distorted view of God because we see him like our earthly father. And if we had a bad relationship with our earthly father, it distorts our view of our heavenly father. Can I tell you today that the heavenly father was not modeled after your earthly father? It's supposed to be the other way around. 
And so you have a heavenly father who loves you and who adores you and who wants to wrap his arms around you. Amen. No matter what your relationship with your earthly father was like. But we all have this innate sense in us that we need to hear the words, I love you. We all need to be shown it. If you read about his needs, her needs, and read about marriages, the number one need in a woman's life is to be loved and security. She needs her husband to say, I love you, and she needs to feel secure with her husband. You know what the number one greatest need for a man is? Respect and love. But you cannot separate the two. We need to be respected but we need to hear our spouses say, I love you. I love the way you lead our family. I love the way you take care of our family. You are an awesome husband. You're an awesome father. And you provide for this family great. That's what a man needs to hear. Now, again, we're different because we're wired different. But both of them are connected in love. We need to hear those words. We need to be shown. All right? All of us need to go home and we need to show each other and tell each other we love each other more. Okay? All right, um, and let me say this, boys need loving touch just as much as girls. Now, see, as daddies, sometimes we're real good about doing that with the girls because it's daddy's little girl, and we give that loving touch all the time. But can I tell you this, the boys need it too. Don't get into that old school of thinking that says, well, we got to teach them how to be men. We don't touch each other. We don't hug each other. Listen, my boys, as they were growing up, and they probably didn't like it a lot of times, especially they got to be teenagers, but every morning before they left for school, hugged them, kissed them on the cheek, said, I love you. Let me pray over you. We're going to get to that one in just a minute. I, I blessed my kids every morning before they went to school. All right. So number one, loving touch. Number two, abundant time. You do not spell love S-T-U-F-F. You do not spell love by giving them stuff. You do not spell love by giving them money. Most of us grow up and we get this mentality of, I want my kids to have it better than I did. Why? Did the way you grew up, was that bad? No. Actually, it was pretty darn good. In fact, I'd say the further back we go, the more we didn't, if you were poor, you didn't know you were poor, and you didn't know you didn't have stuff because they didn't let you know you didn't have stuff, and you grew up just fine. Why do your kids need more than you did? They don't. It's because we've gotten in this mentality where I want my kids to drive nicer cars when they get 16. I'm here to tell you, it, it drives me crazy. You know, some people, a kid turns 16, uh, they get a better car to drive than mom and dad are driving. Amen? We spoil them. And all that does a lot of times is just make them into spoiled brats. Amen? But you don't spell love with stuff. You spell love T-I-M-E. I love you. I want to be around you. I want to spend time with you. Your kids desire your time more than they do your money or your stuff. Can I say this? Grandparents, spend time with your grandkids. Those of you that have nieces and nephews, spend time with them. Take them fishing. Do the simple stuff. Because it's not about the trips to Disneyland. It's not about all the expensive stuff. Something as simple it's taking a kid fishing or taking a kid with you to go on your errands or taking a kid to the grocery store with you. Just spending that time with them will mean more. To them. That's what they'll remember more than any of those expensive things. All right? Abundant time. Uh, Billy Graham, who most of us in this room would consider to be probably the, the greatest Christian, at least in our time, that ever lived. There was an interviewer that interviewed Billy Graham, and they said, you know, you've done great things in your life. 
is there anything that you go back and you do different uh, and that you would change in your life? And, you know, the thought was going to be, well, he'd say, I wish I'd have done more crusades. I wish more people would get out of it. That was not his answer. His answer was to, uh, is there anything you regret, anything you do different? He said, I would have spent more time with my kids. I would have spent more time with my kids. Amen. You've got to do it. And then number three is encouraging talk. Encouraging talk. Uh, do kids need more negativity in this world? Do you know if you grow up having somebody tell you that you're ugly or that you're stupid or that you'll never amount to anything? You know what's said in your mind and what's more than likely to happen is you'll buy into that and you'll begin to believe that for yourself. And if you're told that all your life growing up, that's, that's the mentality that you grow up with. This world is beating people down already enough. This, this world is beating kids down too much. Can I tell you today, look me in the eye and I'll tell you, you're beautiful. You are worth something. You're smart. You can do anything you want to do. God can make it possible. Kids need to hear that message way more. Kids need to hear that they are somebody, that they can be somebody. They need to hear that you love them. There's already a big self-esteem problem with a lot of kids, isn't he? Well, how do you know that? Because there's a big self-esteem with a lot of adults, and it started in their childhood. But listen, you need to understand that it's important what people call you. Whatever you're told in your life, that's what you kind of mold into your mind of that's where I'm going to be. So encouraging talk is one of the most important things you can do with your kids. One of the best ways uh, to start meaningful discussions is to ask open-ended questions. Like I said, when you pick them up from school or when you're taking them to school in the morning, ask those open, don't ask yes or no questions. Just ask, well, who's your best friend at school? Well, what did y'all what what do today? Ask those open-ended questions that will lead to meaningful conversations. But one of the greatest things you can do, and you'll notice that it was at the end when Jesus was those kids, it said at the very end, what did Jesus do? It says he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. One of the greatest things you can do with your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews is to bless them, all right? The last scripture is this, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, because even Jesus needed to hear it. There was only one recorded time in Scripture that God spoke audibly. Only one time recorded in Scripture that God spoke audibly to Jesus. And what was it that one thing he said? He took the time to speak audibly to Jesus, one time recorded in Scripture, and this is what he said. Suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Even Jesus needed to hear that confirmation. Even Jesus needed that blessing from his father. Even Jesus needed to hear it audibly for his father to say, I love you, son. I'm proud of you, son. I am well pleased, son. Amen. If it's good enough for Jesus, guess what? It's good enough for you and for me. We need that confirmation in our lives. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Julie's going to come and we're going to have a time to respond. Listen, I don't know how you grew up. I don't know if you had a good child or a, t a good childhood or a tough childhood. I don't know what you were told growing up. I don't know if you were told that you would never amount to anything. 
or if you were told that you could be anything you wanted to be. But I'm here to tell you, your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father is proud of you. Your Heavenly Father wants you to be blessed. But he is a gentleman. He will not force himself upon you. Jesus is a king. He's not a beggar. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we've got to let him in. He won't force his way in. We've got to let him in. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd say this morning, Brother Mark, I'm not sure right now. I, I, I don't know that I have much relationship with the Lord. And quite honestly, if I were to die right now, uh, Brother Mark, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or if I'd go to hell. I, I just don't know. If that's you today, guess what? I can tell you this. Jesus is waiting with his arms open wide. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be perfect. His blood on the cross paid for every sin in this room. Maybe you're here this morning and say, well, Brother Mark, I, I've done that before. I, 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 I got saved, but I've been, I've been wandering far away from the Lord, and I've, I haven't been living for him. Well, guess what? He's waiting with his arms open wide. You can come back to him if you've wandered away from him. Now I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer. So if you would, if that's either one of those situations, would you say this prayer with me in your heart, in your mind, and your spirit, and just mean it from your heart. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to save me. Now, every head is still bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, I would not do anything to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time or as a prayer of recommitment, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we're going to have a time of response, and we're going to sing a song. And the altar's open. People can come pray. If you need to come and pray, you can do that. If you need to join the church, you can come join the church. If you need to come and have prayer over you, Brother Martin's going to be over here on this side of the stage. I'm going to be on this side of the stage. We'd love to pray over you. But if you prayed that prayer, I'd like for you to come and tell either Brother Martin or myself, I prayed that prayer with Brother Mark. That's all you need to say. Because uh, we want to pray for you. We're glad that you did that. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. If you need to come to the altar and just say, I need to be a better uh, parent. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better wife. I need to be a better mother, a better father. I need to be a better grandparent. Whatever the case may be, Lord, have your will and your way during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a song, and uh, the altar's open for prayer. If you need prayer, Brother Martin's there. I'm over here.
Amen, amen. Well, let's give the Lord a clap offering one more time, amen. Uh, if you would be seated for just a moment, I, I think, uh, you know, just, man, there were a lot of folks just praying. I know many of you have uh, broken relationships in your home. Many of you have prodigals. I didn't even really talk about prodigal, prodigal sons and daughters. There's a lot of prodigal sons and daughters. We all have prodigals in our family. Can I tell you this day, I want to encourage you with this. Don't ever stop praying for the prodigals. I know prodigals that have run from God for many, many years, many decades. And they had a mama or a daddy that never stopped praying. And many of them came back. Amen. So I want to encourage you with that. Don't ever stop praying for those prodigals. Don't ever stop loving them. I know. Here's the, here's the thing we got to understand. You can, uh, just like God does in your life, you can hate the sin but love the sinner. Well, guess what? Same thing in your prodigal's life. You don't have to agree with their lifestyle. You don't have to like their lifestyle. And you can, you can hate what's going on. You can hate all the bad decisions they're making in their life. But you love that child. Amen. You love that family member. Don't ever stop. Don't ever give up on those prodigals. Never stop praying for them. And love them unconditionally. Love them right where they're at. It's a hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's a hard thing. But listen, I got prodigals in my family. And I try to love them right where they're at. It's hard sometimes because I don't agree with some of the things they're doing in life. But guess what? I try to tell them that does not affect our relationship. I love you right where you're at. We may not agree. We may not see eye to eye. But I love you unconditionally. Because guess what? That's the way God loves you. Amen. Unconditionally. Amen. Well, we have a great thing today. Um, Y'all come. Amen. Uh, this is uh, Daryl and... Dylan and Kim, Daryl, Dylan, it's a D, amen, I got the D right, <laughs> and last name, McKelvey, all right, I knew I'd mess that up, so uh, they come today, and how many kids, we have two. two kids, all right, two kids today, and they come wanting to join our church today, amen, and be a part of Landmark Baptist Church, and uh, I'm here too, they started coming, y'all came in the door about three weeks ago, and y'all had missed, have you, amen. Uh, they're more faithful than some of the regulars around here already, amen, just walked in the door. So we're glad y'all are here. I'm going to ask y'all to stand here so people can come shake your hand and get to know you, and uh, you'll have to remember everybody's name. There'll be a test at the end. No, no I'm kidding. But we're going to dismiss. Uh, Brother Dean, thank you so much for being here. Lamont Dean, our superintendent at Chapel Hill, give him a big hand, amen. If you have any questions about the bond or the vote or any anything that's planned with that, uh, Brother Dean's going to hang around for a little while after, so you can ask him any questions you want to. Let's stand, if you would, and I'm going to let you come by and shake their hand and tell them how glad we are to have them. Father, we love you today. Thank you so much for everything you've done in this place. God, help us to be the mothers, the fathers, the husbands, the wives, the grandparents, and the uh, aunts and uncles that we need to be for our kids, Lord. Thank you for blessing us with children. May we take that responsibility of passing on to them a godly heritage very seriously. Holy Spirit, do a work in our lives as we go from this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>